Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. But like in the way you guys met, yeah. the hustle you came on to, isn't that rush like what keeps you guys together? Like isn't that what drew you to him? Yeah, but also so many flags back then. Like all these flags that come up now, like I'm thinking like, how, why did I even stay? But it was Yo. not a big deal. It was not a big deal at the time. I'll call it denial. She mentioned uh, the whole time, uh, red flags, red flags, red flags, which means you saw it. You just chose not to believe it. It's, there we go. He was completely honest and blatant with everything. You sold yourself. You're <laughs> married now. of everyone's business but mine with me, Cara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. So, as we know, 90 Day the Other Way is on a break until October 11th, so it'll be airing Sundays instead of Mondays, so I'm assuming that it will be taking over the spot of Happily Ever After because they are going to start airing two-hour episodes. So, we have less to talk about, sort of. Yeah, we do. Because I'm also recapping Darcy and Stacy, but there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Listen, I love my girls. I'm hashtag Team Silva Twins. But, you know, the show, I think, is really for people who love Darcy and see the gem that she really is. I don't know if it's a TV show for people who are just like the casual 90 day fiance watcher. And that's really my truth. Oh my God. There's a bird on my window scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. uh, So let's start with Darcy and Stacy. Darcy is, you know, fresh off of one therapy session and has decided to change her whole life. Just kidding. She's decided to clean out her car And by that, I mean, just take a whole wad of paper towels so large that they can't, she can barely even hold them in her tiny little hand. And she's wiping the interior of the car, sweeping the, um, you know, the foot rugs. I don't, you know, I don't have a car, you guys. (laughs) You know what I mean? The, The rugs that are at the bottom of the, of the, by the seats. And... Yeah. Yeah. This See, this is a concept that I'm talking about. I mean, you have to love the little things of like the roll of paper towels almost hitting the, you know, just rolling 
down the driveway. At one point, she slips on a paper towel as if it's banana peel. And she's like, Bugs Bunny. She... Can you can, can we like form a prayer circle the next full moon? All of us set our intentions and manifestations and light our candles and do our moon baths and just incense the whole thing and just write something down, write down on a piece of paper. Like, please, somebody get Darcy and Stacy the proper hairdresser that is going to allow them to <clears throat> blend their hair correctly. I understand that they have like thick, curly, dark hair. So it's a little bit tough to navigate, you know, the fact that you guys are wanting to be long, long, straight, platinum blonde bitches, but something has to be done. Can we get them like that Dyson um, hair dryer, blow dryer, something? They have extensions like Paris Hilton circa 2003 and it's just not adding up for me why in 2020 they still look like this. Darcy has a Forever 21 bag full of extensions, ratty, ratty extensions and I just have a lot of questions. Is it them? Is it that they're not maintaining them correctly? Is it they they don't know how to blow dry, blow out their hair? Because even in the talking heads like We know that they get hair and makeup, and even then, not great. So, like, what's the problem here? Any hairstylists want to give me some insight as to, like, what it is that they're doing? I know that what I'm looking at is bad. I know that. But, like, what's really happening here? Anyway, she had gone on one date with this guy, Bulgarian, named Georgie, that she seems to think is very sexy. I, you know, agree to disagree. (laughs) he looks like the bulgarian version of peter from vanderpump rules he chest out titties out you know three buttons three buttons on that button down shirt long hair jesus christ not my type but you know what i don't have to fuck him so moving on um she also wants to renew restart house of eleven she and Stacy's iconic fashion line. Um, and that would involve moving to L.A. I guess they used to live in L.A. And now they want to move back to really get their fashion going. Why they don't just move to New York, which is, you know, more of a fashion place than L.A., right? In, in terms of ranking, isn't New York more of an American fashion city than L.A.? I don't know. I mean, just New York's right there right there you don't have to move across the country I don't know anyway they have a conversation about it Stacy's all in of course she has to talk to Florian about it why she needs his advice or permission is beyond me because last I checked Florian um doesn't have a job and relies on you for money I mean I feel like ankle and aspirin have more of a hierarchy here in terms of whether they want to move or not don't you think Speaking of, Darcy takes ankle and aspirin to ice skating and breaks the news to them. Like, I want to move back to L.A. Our life is going to be a bit different because I probably won't be able to buy a place. But I think that we can get, like, a really nice apartment with a pool, blah, blah, blah. I really want to do this, but I don't want to do this unless you guys are happy about it. They're totally in. I mean, these chicks are aspiring to be TikTok stars. You know, they probably want to move into like an influencer house. This is like a great, you know, this is great for them. What do they care? They're all in. By the way, Florian, what are we, what's happening here? What is really happening with Florian? He has a big attitude problem, a hot temper, and I'm not liking it. He's got a lot of nerve for somebody who has no bank account. It's really uncomfortable. They had this conversation with, they went to dinner with Stacy and her two friends the night before, and he ran off because they were questioning him about, you know, those pictures of him with Octomom 
and he got pissed off and he didn't even want to talk to Stacy and it's like yeah it's probably not up to those you know Stacy's two drunk friends with chunky highlights to be asking him a bunch of questions and confronting him in such a you know upfront way but he also has a really bad attitude and I'm not really seeing that he loves Stacy that much but it's like are we surprised no sad but true (laughs) um so back to Darcy she postponed her date with Georgie so that she could go to therapy (laughs) she seems to think that this is the most romantic thing in the world and that he really truly cares about her because she postponed a date this would never happen with Jesse this would never happen with Tom and it's like girl I mean what is lower than hell because that's where the bar is for Darcy she is getting ready to go meet him in New York even though he lives in DC she's shaving her entire body from her wrist all the way up her arm, her toes, her legs, her, the whole thing, the whole kitten caboodle, including the kitten caboodle, I'm sure. Um, then she's like getting ready. She's getting, she got a driver heading to Manhattan. She is so nervous and is just talking about how like, I, this is like, I finally, for once, I'm not chasing a man. He's coming to me as she is going to Manhattan for him. I mean, I guess she means like, I don't have to take an international flight. <laughs> it's more local. <laughs> so that, that counts as like me not having to chase him. Okay. Um, so we meet. Lord and Georgie in Washington Square Park and Georgie claims to be 30. Did I get that right? 30? Her? <laughs> this bitch looks older than Darcy and she's 45. 30? girl I don't know anyway he gives her some like three or four Bulgarian roses and they head off to the restaurant they go to Patsy's an Italian restaurant and he grabs her purse so he can hold it and she is like about to burst like just burst with love she's literally about to tell him I love you right then and there she's like Tom would have never held my purse Jesse would have never held my purse I've just never had a man who would do these things for me he's really just taking charge and I love it I can't believe my luck oh my god they go to dinner and he they keep feeding each other just hunks of meat here's a little shrimp for you baby Here's a big hunk of steak in your mouth, baby. Here's another shrimp for you. I don't even think we saw um, Darcy even eat anything that he didn't hand feed her. (sighs) Georgie hands her a box. And inside of it is a vial of Bulgarian rose oil. That he claims is more expensive than gold. And probably a concentrate of a hundred or even a thousand roses. He has no idea. Darcy says that in her 45 years, this is the best date that she's ever been on. I'm just going to let that, let that marinate with you for a second. <laughs> oh my God. So, they talk about relationships. Are you single? Yes. Are you single? Georgie was in a four-year relationship, but they just like weren't on the same page. She didn't know what she wanted. He was ready. Darcy. (laughs) Darcy stares at him and thanks him for being such a wonderful man and gets choked up and has to stop herself from crying. That was the response to him talking about how he broke up with his girlfriend. She almost started to cry. 
Oh my god. So after they're full of like, you know, king, you know, like large shrimp. She then invites him back to her hotel. He has to have her help him take his jacket off because his it's so tight. He says it's because he's too pumped up, but I think it's because you stuffed yourself into a medium size. Like he did have arm like big arms, but it's also you stuffed yourself into a medium jacket when really it should have been a large. Oh my god. Oh my god. So it's sexy time. He takes his shirt off. He didn't even any help for that, thank God. She asks for a massage and she's expecting like a sexy massage. He gives her like an actual massage where she's like, uh oh, oh sorry, this isn't sexy, I'm actually groaning. <laughs> He's a massage therapist, by the way. Um so then she's like, Oh, let me slip into the bathroom and something a little bit more comfortable and by that I mean I'm just gonna pick taint my take my liquid leggings off and show you this like you know leotard that I'm in but before then she goes over to the other side of the wall and she's like whispering as he's sitting in the bed with his shirt off and his jeans still on he is the sexiest guy the hottest guy I've ever chemistry is off the charts I can't believe it <laughs> and this is why Darcy is a queen unaware queen so then she shows him her leotard don't I look snatched Georgie and he's like okay sure I don't know what that means and uh you know things happen Back in Connecticut, Florian decides to apologize to Stacy for being verbally abusive towards both her and her friends and goes down to the sea town, gets a thing of strawberries and some Hershey's chocolate syrup and all the roses that he can manage to get in his basket. He takes every single bag of roses, <laughs> gets some red candles, you know, one of those like hood teddy bears, a little white teddy bear. And throws the petals all in the living room of the rented home that's above a nail shop to apologize. Stacy comes out in a silk robe, champagne colored silk robe and Louboutins that she can barely fit her feet into. She's like, you know what? I know that you're so sorry. I love you so much. Our relationship's so great. I love you. And I know that you're sorry. They proceed to... Stuff stra- these people love to be fed, don't they? <laughs> Feed each other strawberries and suck the little strawberry pits out of each other's mouths when they're kissing. I mean, my God, it's like he's trying to take her tongue off or something. Like, truly sucking face. <sighs> Lord, we'll see what happens later. Um, wow. All right. Let's go on to 90 Day Happily Ever After. All right, let's start with 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After. Wow. (sighs) My God. Okay, so let's start with... Oh, gosh, Kalani and Asuelu. I'm really, like, I'm team Kalani these days, and I didn't expect to be here. But here we are. Here we are. They've been home from Portland for about a week, and they really haven't talked at all, she and Asuelu. And it's really because every time she kind of brings up what happened there, he basically kind of threatens her with his own anger. Like, if you continue to talk about this, I'm going to get mad. And we all have seen what Asuelu acts like when he is upset. That's not something good. And it's also really abusive to threaten somebody with the potential of you being angry, right? So... Kalani's mom, Lisa, basically thinks that this way we pulled the okie doke, meaning he was all love and light and happy coconut when he was in Samoa. But when he went to America, it things really changed and he needs to make a decision of if he's going to adjust to his new life or if he wants to go back to Samoa and, you know, be this, you know, man, man is the head of the household 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all. But when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health. And we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So... Asuelu and Kalani have a chat and Asuelu says that her family interjects themselves into her relationship too much now I'm not going to disagree with that however I'm like Kalani said he does the same thing his family does the exact same thing and dare I say much worse like there's one thing to say, like, um, hey, maybe don't talk to my daughter like she's your child, Asuelu. Quite another to be like, gimme, gimme money, I need money, I want money. If you don't want to give me money, then maybe you should go home. You're an evil little psycho bitch and you're brainwashing my son. I need money, 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 money. And uh, very different, very different, right? Very different situation. Kalani brings up another great point of like, hey, yeah, they do. My family does interject themselves in their life. But you know what? I'm able to have calm and collected conversations with your mother and sister. Whereas you just pop the fuck off. And that is a huge difference. Kalani says that she's pretty much at the end of her rope. But she is willing to try one last thing by going to therapy, couples therapy. And Asuelu's like, okay, where are we at in our relationship? She's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope. So Asuelu wants to have a someone man as their therapist. And we all know that he's just trying to be slick. He really just wants an ally to say, hey, Asuelu, everything that you do is correct. And Kalani's stupid. Stop the stupid woman. Listen to your husband. Kalani's like, I probably am not going to be able to find a someone therapist because we live in Utah, sir. <laughs> um, but she manages to find a translator for Asuelu, which I think is a very fair and good thing because I think, I know that when there's a language barrier and you're trying to express how you feel, especially when you feel upset or, you know, it's really got to be hard to express that in not your first language. So good on her for making sure that they have a translator. So they meet up with Dr. Eschler 
he asks how they met, and Asuelu tells a very, this is the Asuelu that we like, you know? The story about he was working at a resort, he saw Kalani, he thought she was really beautiful, and Kalani's older. Like, I assume that she was my age because over here, meaning in America, <laughs> big women, you know, they look big, but they actually are much younger than they appear. So I thought she was maybe my age or younger. Um, and also this is not him being insulting. It's literally just a cultural thing of, you know, many cultures think that people who are bigger or their family is able to take care of them. They're able to take care of themselves. There's a level of wealth to them. It's like a status thing, actually. Um, and you can see Kalani like starts to laugh and then, you know, Asalu says that he's actually upset at Kalani that she is not more willing to give his family money. And Kalani's like, it's not that. I do give them money, but I give them what we can. And I'm not willing to bankroll his family at the expense of mine. Very easy to understand. This is something that all along, Asuelu seems to have agreed with. So I'm not really sure why the switch has been flipped. I'm really confused about that. Um, so basically Asuelu's point is that I'm the head of the household and I just don't like the fact that Kalani as my wife, she's the neck, I'm the head and it's just not in my nature and in my culture to have the wife be vetoing shit and making decisions that I have already made. Obviously, Kalani is an American girl. She is. She lives by an American culture of we are partners, we are equal, and I, I mean, I think. I mean, I don't think anybody's on Swayu's side at this point. Truly, like, it's not that Kalani wants to give him his family nothing. It's that she's giving within her means, and those means are quite meager. And so then. You know, the therapist just says kind of, you know, not anything surprising that they come from such different cultures in terms of the family unit that when you do that and you decide to marry somebody, you guys have to create your own culture within each other as a couple. Not, it's not like we pick one way or we pick the other. It's like you make up your own situation. And he says that's a really hard thing to do. And it involves a lot of unlearning on both sides, but it's possible. But if it's not going to be possible for them, then they really need to go their own way. And so they go to the car and Asuelu says he really liked the session. But the big thing for him is that Kalani makes amends with his family. Another thing that I think everybody was pretty shocked about him saying uh, Kalani especially. And she said, you know, I, I'm not really trying to do that, <laughs> but I will. Uh, and I just feel like this is a lot of Kalani making concessions on Asuelu's part and not really him taking responsibility for his parts of their relationship. Well, let's move on to Colt. So we left Colt and Jess last week on that sad little tan love seat. Oh, Lauren. Jess is obviously still mad at him. That Colt's love language seems to be dick pics. He hasn't even told her yet that Vanessa is living with him. And he finally does. She's in the third bedroom and she's like, why is she living with you? Does she not have friends? Does she not have family parents you expect me to believe that you've been sending dick pics here there and everywhere to the four corners of america and you're not fucking the woman who you've already fucked and who has moved into your home like i born yesterday okay yeah right you're playing in my face and thank God for her saying the truth. You always play the good guy and you always like act like it's so poor me and you're the victim and you need to stop it. 
Deb comes down from the stairs again to defend her sweet little ham hock of a man. And Jessica is pleading with her, like, I know this is your son, but like, please understand where I'm coming from. Deb has the nerve to say, I want to feel for her, but Jess always flies off the handle and she brought all this on herself. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? She is such an enabler. It's sick. It's truly sick. I I get that that's your son, but like, my God, this is why he acts like the creepo that he is today. You're, you brought this all on yourself and you're bringing it on everybody else. You don't think it's fucking weird that your son is sending dick pics to just random chicks on the internet. He is a grown ass man. He's a grown ass man and he's acting like a pervert. Ugh. Deb is claiming that she is the one who invited Jessica over to the house. It had nothing to do with Colt, just like it had nothing to do with Colt. That she was their cat sitter when they were in Brazil. Like, all of this is her action. And I would have liked Jess to press press back on that. Like, do you guys not have any other friends? Do you not care about my relationship with your son? That you would invite this woman over to your home repeatedly knowing that it's going to make me mad like you're diabolical a diabolical debbie (laughs) colt apologizes again debbie goes back upstairs and jess is just done and at this point she's just cracking jokes (laughs) he hugs her and she's like you have a really big heart you love me you love vanessa you love larissa you probably it seems like you have more uh space in that heart for you to just send dick pics hi good morning here's dick good afternoon here's dick here's my dick (laughs) she finally says she's done and colt's like i understand and he tries to play like again the victim of his own circumstances of you know i i have really caused this and this is my fault and I, i can't understand the man that i've become today like look around you colt Look around you and you'll see why you became the man that you, it, the cameras. Ugh. On the other side, Larissa says that she gets a message from Jess. And so they meet to have a drink with each other. Jess is basically like, yeah, you told me you tried to warn me and I didn't listen to you. And I'm sorry for that, but I, I see it now. Jess Tells Larissa that she broke up with Colt and that she thinks that maybe, definitely, Jess, that Colt used her to make Larissa jealous. Basically, I just found another Brazilian girl to throw in your face and I really didn't give a shit about her at all. (laughs) Jess then tells Larissa about the dick pics that he's been sending women and the fact that he only sends empty promises and Danny Dicks. Larissa gets her j- little jab in and says, no, no pun intended on the little, uh, what is he going around sending that like, there's really nothing to write home about with his penis. So I don't even know why he would be wanting to send that many dick pics to people. <laughs> um, so then Jess brings up Vanessa. Like there's this girl named Vanessa who's been like, all up in our relationship. And Larissa's like, Vanessa? She's a girl that sent Colty a Groupon when we were still married. I looked at his phone and I saw that he sent her this Groupon. It seems like it was a Groupon for a massage or something like, oh, you need to relax was the message. And she's like, oh, so this girl has been in his life since we were together. Just creeping around. And like, ew, Vanessa, like, seek help. Larissa tells Jess, you know, oh, you're beautiful and you have big boobies. And, you know, you don't need to worry about the culty. And they make fast friends with each other. I saw pictures of them on Instagram hanging out and having a good time. (laughs) Jess thinks that she's made a friend. And Larissa's just happy that Colt is now sad and lonely because it's what he deserves. (laughs) 
this is why you have to, like, you don't have to love her, but you have to like Jess sometimes. She makes points. She makes very good points. So let's move on to Angela and Michael. Oh, Lord. So we're now the day after the bachelorette party and the day before the wedding. Last night at the bachelorette party, Michael and his two friends brought me to the damn club with a bunch of bitches half naked. So she spent the night with her friend Jojo and had not spoken to Michael since. She admits that she was kind of intoxicated and it's very clear that like it was good that she went home with Jojo and Jojo was able to talk her down because she's got a lot more perspective on the situation and she's not yelling at all. No screaming, no scenes of her with like various random items in her bra talking about how wrong Michael is. And she says, you know, I said things that I didn't mean, but the, and before she even is able to have a conversation with Michael's like, I want to show you something. So he brings out a bag And it is her flowers for the wedding, the flower that she's going to, you know, keep with her and carry down the aisle and the one that she's going to toss. These are artificial flowers. Now, I was kind of giving her credit for getting the more expensive flowers, but they're fake. Like, you can hear the rustling and you can see how artificial they are. Why did they go to a florist? (laughs) Like, do they have a, a Hobby Lobby in Nigeria? Some something to the equivalent. They have Michaels over there. <sighs> the the flower arrangement, the bouquet was um moving on. I uh, she asked for a drink before she gets into it. Because she's thirsty. And Michael looks what makes sounds looks like uh Nicolata. It it was either that or it was just like two bottles of hot sauce with a Heineken and with Angela you really never know (laughs) uh so she says you know she gets a little bit emotional seeing the flowers again she's like oh damn it Michael why'd you show me this now I I don't want to fight with you uh so basically she says to Michael that you know she overreacted but she's concerned about her going back to America and his fidelity or lack thereof. Now, like, I get it. We all saw the scene of them in the first season of the fabled tale of Angela and Michael that we've had to trudge through since 1998, it seems like. And he got head from some random woman. Not a great look, Michael. Nope. Can't, can't argue that. However, we all have to take responsibility. And if you make the choice to continue to be in a relationship with somebody, you have to trust them at some point. You can't be in a situation where you're like, Michael, you can neither look at, speak to, be in the presence of, be in the orbit of another woman. And otherwise, you know, we're going to have problems. Like, It's an unattainable goal. It's unrealistic. And it's just like, you don't trust him and that's fine. He hasn't really given you a ton of reason to trust him, but it's not fair to either of y'all to continue to be in this miserable relationship. For what? You keep saying this whole episode that you don't even know if he's ever going to make it to America. So like, what is it in it? What is in it for you? I have questions. So he basically kind of acquiesces and agrees, but I don't know. I just feel like, again, I just wish that somebody would tell Michael that he's better off in Nigeria for every reason under the sun. America, not that great. It's not going to be worth you living in bumfuck Georgia. It's not going to be worth you living in a house with 17 children that are not yours, that you're expected to raise and be a house husband for. Nothing is going to be worth it. Donald Trump certainly is not worth it, Michael. I can tell you that. And you know how he's not worth it? Because your ass can't come to America because of him. (laughs) That should let you know all the reason why America's not that great. So... (sighs) 
they get up and it's finally the wedding day. It's the morning. We see the beautiful blushing bride in her moo gold chains and that dry, dry peroxide hair up in a scrunchie. Very bridal. Michael gets out of bed and farts in her face, which, you know, fair. (laughs) When they get to the venue, Angela calls her family and she has one last cigarette before she becomes a married woman. (laughs) She, you know, the kids are all like, oh, hi, Mima. Skyla's like, you know, if you want to get out of this, you can. Don't worry about it. Ah, Lord. Angela keeps saying that she doesn't feel well and she feels sick to her guts. Okay. She goes and gets to the bridal suite. There's a man who does her hair for her, puts it up in a real tight bun so she can wrap a crown and then put another crown in front of it. She's ripping cigs and asking Jojo to hold her tits for reasons unknown. Angela puts on her dress and she must have decided that her something blue was going to be her bra because we see it. It's not even a strapless bra. She's got an off the shoulder dress. Angela, I know you have just like a very um, interesting, you seem to think that bras are meant for like everything except for actually supporting the breasts that you're supposed to put them in. But did you not think... I'm wearing a semi-sheer white dress. Maybe a robin's egg blue bra was not going to be the move for the wedding. (laughs) Not a thought. Not a thought of that went to her mind. She's got to pull the straps down appropriately so they hide under the the sleeves. Lord, it's a hot mess. A hot, hot mess. And that's the end of them. They're about to get married in the next episode. Maybe. We'll see. Alright, let's go on to Andre and Libby. So, Andre and Libby are, and her family are walking around in Moldova. And they come across one of its finest outdoor amusements. The electric boxing ball that you punch and see how many points that you can get. Everybody takes a turn. And Chuck, Libby's father, actually scores lower than her sister Jen. That felt worth noting. Then they all have a conversation. Jen admits that they met up with uh, Andre's friend Marcel. We saw it last episode to ask, you know, what's really going on. And what she found out was really worrying. Not worrying because of what he said, but worrying because of what he said because they just want to be shady. They're not concerned with his safety. They're concerned about, I don't really know what they're concerned about because this is not their husband and Libby's already married and has a kid with this man. So you're already stuck with him. So they said that Marcel told them that he was forced off of the police force, which is not what he said. They're acting like he got fired. Not exactly. Andre tells them basically the exact thing that Marcel said, which is, listen, the police in Moldova are really corrupt. They make you do things that you don't want to do. The higher ranking officers basically put you in these positions. And if you don't adhere to what they say, they will set you up or worse. Now, Libby, her family is like, Jen's like, oh, I get it now. Like, you were just put in a position where you couldn't, you didn't have any other options. Andre's telling them, you know, I worked 80 hours a week. I was making, like, 250 bucks a month. And even Chuck's like, I get it. People are overworked and underpaid. And they get themselves in situations where they have to do things that they don't want to do just to make ends meet. Thank you, Chuck. Charlie still says that he doesn't trust it. But, like, fuck you, Charlie. Who cares? This is all, even though the rest of the family is for the most part understanding. Now Libby's like, I didn't hear any of this. You didn't tell me any of this. Why didn't you tell me the truth? You better tell me the truth or we're going to have problems. I need to get to the bottom of it. This is a cycle of stupidity. Why did you marry him? 
Andre was like insistent that I did tell you this. You knew this before we got married. I did tell you. She's like, no, you did not. And now I'm mad. So later Andre takes Lizzie, Libby to a rooftop. I guess maybe at the apartment that his parents live in. And he is insistent. Like we talked about this stuff already. And Libby's like, there's no way that if this, the roles were reversed and I had this thing and kept like more and more information kept coming out. And every time you asked me about it, I was just like, oh, it's a pass. It's a pass. We already talked about this. Like you would, you would not accept this from me. So I'm not going to accept it from you. I'm your wife. Okay. Fair. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. So then she says, she really lays down the gauntlet and is like, I'm not going to marry you unless you tell me the whole truth. Libby? Elizabeth? Um, think you already signed a marriage license over there in America and considering you guys are going to be taking your happy asses back there, I think that's probably the one that counts a little bit more than this like Moldovan wedding that you're just doing for your husband. Your husband, remember that? The one that you already married? The one that you don't really have to uh, do an ultimatum to because you're already married to him? That one? The one that you're staring right at? That you're already married to? And have been married to for over a year now? That guy. Oh, Lord. So, basically, he says again, there are higher-ranking members of the police force. He tried to make me do something that I didn't want to do. And I got into a position of I had to leave the country because I had to take care of myself and take control of my life. And not even take control of my life, just make sure that my life, I still had one, basically. Like, I could have gone to jail or they could have killed me. So I had to leave. And everything's fine now. Everything's been sorted. I'm safe here. You're safe here. But I really just didn't want to get into it. So I told you what I felt you need to, needed to know. And let me, it's like a scene out of the Moldovan Godfather. They're like up there on the, on the, <laughs> on the roof. And you see this like, you know, sweeping views of Moldova. They're hugging each other. She's looking directly in my, his eyes like, please don't lie to me again. Please. And they hug each other and they're kissing. And he gives her what looks like the kiss of death. Oh, Lord. He, I mean, he apologizes for not telling her everything because, like, I was scared. And that's fine. That's fine. Libby has to accept that she's just a mob wife, okay? That's just how it is. <laughs> well, let's move on to, oh, Lord, Karini and Paul. So, y'all, what the fuck did I watch? What the fuck? What the fuck? It's now been two months to the deadline that Karini sent for Paul. And Paul still hasn't gotten a job yet. Surprise, surprise. He says that he's really trying to make things work with Karini and, and staying in America. So it's a pouring, rainy day. And they take a drive to a sewage plant. So that Karini can see what America has to offer. So far <laughs> this season, we have seen 
Paul Tate Carini to the 10 for 10 section at Kroger. And a shit plant. A shitty water plant. Carini gets her licks in. Paul's saying that he wants to go there so they can get a tour of the facilities and maybe bring in Carini and Pieri's going to be a bit of a leg up and help him get a job. Like, if they see that I have a family that I have to take care of, then maybe they'll be more motivated to give me an application. Okay. So they take a tour and he literally takes her to the shit water. It's like, oh, and here we are. Here's all the used, here's a whole tub of used toilet paper that we filter out. Here's this brown water that we break down, you know, certain whatever the fuck's to clean it. Karini's like, okay. <laughs> Why am I here? Why is this man so obsessed? Like, the first time I met you, you were talking about poop water and how Brazil and Tonachines has poop water. Why are you so into poop water? If you're that into shit water and pipes, maybe you should become a plumber, Paul. <laughs> and I agree. This is the only thing that he has, is he seems to have a vested interest in. is people's waste. <laughs> Weirdo. So, obviously, this man has no position for Paul, because nobody does, because Paul is an unhirable human being, both in life and in career. Oh, so, the guy gives him a tour, and then he lets them stand in a warehouse, basically, so they can get out of the rain and film their scene, and Paul's like, I'm so sorry, I just thought, like, you were gonna, like, he acts like... Karini just like wants to leave and it's like yeah she does because you're not listening to her but it's also like this isn't some like mission impossible MI6 thing that she's going on to take Pieri back to Brazil and never come back <sighs> she's sad Paul and Karini says I've been trying to tell you this I'm unhappy why don't you get it this is not a place for a baby and it's not like, I'm just not happy. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my mom. I'm, if we're going to be poor, we might as well be poor in Brazil where I can have a happy family and have my mom take care of me and the baby. I can be poor in Brazil, homie. <laughs> and I think I'd rather be poor in Brazil than poor in America too. Right? <laughs> Damn. Like... <laughs> I'm stuck in a studio trailer in the middle of Kentucky with a loser when I could be home. Paul says, you know, I actually do have enough money for us to go back to Brazil temporarily. You can see your family. Pierre can see the family. And this is the first time, excuse me, this is the first time we've seen Karini smile in years, frankly. She smiled bigger than their wedding. God bless her. Prayers up for Karini. Paul is currently in Brazil claiming to be cleaning the apartment for Karini and Pieri for their eventual return to Brazil. But in the meantime, he's getting drunk with the locals and showing us this pizza that has like hard boiled eggs and corn on it. Okay, Paul, living it up, living it up. All right, y'all, let's end with Sinjin and Tanya. We have got to give it up to Sinjin's friends for telling the truth that I've been screaming at the TV and at you guys for months now. Thank you, Lord, for Andrew and James. I was going to call them Alex and John. Andrew and James. <laughs> It's her last day in South Africa with his family. Not for them, but just with the family time. So they all go out to a winery. The bride was the night before, and things are still quite tense with them. Especially with the family members and Tanya. So Simjin's stepdad points at Tanya and says, We saw the real you last night. <laughs> Which was like, oh... And Tony was like, well, no, it was like the emotional side of me. And Sinjin does back her up on that. 
he advises her that like you know you might want to like guard your tongue or you know that words are powerful and that you might need to be a little bit more intentional and a little bit more careful in how you express yourself and he also says that like if it gets to the point that you guys are arguing more than you guys are loving each other then you really need to reevaluate because that's not how a relationship should be should not be more work than that um So while I can't be surprised that his family is sticking up for Sinjin, I just feel that like Sinjin needs to be more mature and no one's really telling him that like the right people are not telling him that they're all being very blase about how like free wheeling Bob Dylan he is and it's just not it's not going to help him in the end. Like he needs somebody that he looks up to and respects to tell him that he needs to grow the fuck up. He's a grown ass man who's married to somebody and it needs to not be Tanya screaming at him. So then Sinjin and Tanya meet up with his old roommates, Andrew and James, who we met uh, a couple weeks ago. Andrew, who looks very much like Malcolm X and James, who looks like some kind of uh, steampunk character i'm not sure so they ask about how the rye went and tanya's like well you know what i did get worked up and andrew's like was it the rush if you guys because like when we first met you it was this like thing that we did not think was gonna work out and then he went off to america and was it just the rush of everything that was happening in a relationship that brought you guys together and tanya's like well yeah but it's also she finally admits that, like, when she first met Sinjin, she saw a lot of red flags, but, like, it wasn't a big deal. No big deal at the time. And Andrew's, like, in an interview, is like, I'll, I'm going to call it a denial. She mentioned the whole time she saw red flags, which means you saw the issues with Sinjin and you chose not to believe it. He was completely honest and blatant with you about who he was and what his intentions were. And you ignored that. Andrew and James were both like, they both look at her like, girl, <laughs> you really just held on yourself. And James says, let's get back to the red flag situation. And that you said yourself that you ignored them. And Tanya's like, well, I didn't ignore them, but I, I would bring them up and Sinjin would say that it's because he's not stable and he doesn't have an apartment and like basically giving all these excuses and James said what were you bringing them up for like to change who he was like what was your end goal like I think his state of mind Sinjin's state of mind is completely different from what you're asking Sinjin says that the changes that Tanya expects him to make are crazy to him and he's never really committed to anything in his life like he has to her in this relationship and he should get some credit for that which I don't think he should um Tanya's like oh we've been together for two years though and Sinjin's like yeah it's been awesome we were apart for eight months of those two years we met on vacation when you when we were apart for those eight months I was like bouncing from here and there doing whatever the fuck I wanted and it's not like we were in this two-year stable, we're living together, we're in this, like, strong relationship, we were halfway across the world from each other. <laughs> that's not, that does, you know, that's not an excuse. And Tanya says, you know, like, I'm not there to argue. And James goes, seems like we are here to do that. <laughs> so then Tanya says, like, you know, we've been married for eight months and he knows what I'm looking for and what I need. And Andrew's like, can I interject here? said, I've known Sinjin for what, like 10 years, give or take. And the guy is very different compared to who he used to be, but that did not happen overnight at all. So Tanya says like, I'm not trying to change who Sinjin is. And I'm going to interject and say that I don't think she's trying to change who he is. I think she wants a very different thing than what he can give her. 
she wants him to change on his own. And you're going to be waiting a lot, a long time before that happens. Like hop off the ride. I don't really understand why either of them got married. To be honest with you, I think Tanya has been saying and saying and saying what she needs and what she wants. And Sinjin should have said, I'm not going to do that. I don't really give a shit. And so I'm not going to continue this relationship. And on the same side, like, she should have heeded those red flags and really taken stock of the fact that, like, I see all these issues in who he is as a person and as a man and as a partner. And, you know, this is not the dude for me. (sighs) So, Sinjin says that it's strange. He's like, He kind of throws it back in her in a way that I think is unfair and unnecessary. Like, you ever notice how I never ask you to change? Like, it's always me that's supposed to change and make all these concessions. But, like, I don't ask that of you. And it's like, okay, well, you're not the one who has a problem with her. Duh. She's the one that has a problem with you. So, to say that, like, I don't complain the way that you do is like, okay, well, (laughs) that really should make you look at yourself if you're happy and she's not. So then James and Andrew are back in the interview with production and James is like, all right, do you think we should bet on whether or not they get back or like how long they're going to last? And Andrew goes, well, I can't say yes or no, but neither can they. So I'm not going to take that bet with you. Oh my gosh. So that was it for this episode. And I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Bye.